Welcome to the Subconscious Mind Mastery Podcast. Thomas Miller, you guys have waited long enough. Those of you listening in real time, I apologize for the gap, but it is over. We are closing it. And by the way, just on a special personal note, this episode is dedicated to the memory of my dear friend and very early podcast listener, Mike O'Sullivan, who at the ripe old age of 53 decided he was out of here. Mike, I love you, buddy, and this podcast is for you. Now, you know, this podcast is about a journey. It's about it's kind of an audio blog, really. It's my journey. So I thought I'd catch those of you listening in real time up a little bit of what's going on in my world right now. Just a little snapshot. So I've had this ongoing radio show that airs in Dallas. We're looking at coming up on our third year if they decide to renew. Then, of course, I have the daily podcast, Fun Astrology. And then we just completed and released something I am very proud of. It is over 12 hours, between 12 and 15 hours of mostly video recorded material on learning astrology. It's over on the funastrology.com website, the 101 course, because obviously you can't speak that language until you learn the basics. And that's what this is. It's the basics. So you can speak the language. Got that released. I'm working on two simultaneous audiobooks, one for Fred Dodson, one for Steve Forrest. So, you know, I'm in my happy place there. And then somewhere along the line, scrolling around back in the day, I found this video where you remember the country and Western singer Johnny Cash. I mean, how could you forget Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash narrated the entire New Testament as audio, as an audiobook. Back before they were audiobooks, back then it was probably on cassette tape. He was doing an interview with, I forget who, Dick Cavett, Ralph Emery, somebody, and they were talking about narrating the New Testament. And he said that they would go into the studio but only would work for three hours a day. And I thought, oh, really? So here's a guy with this amazing, gravelly, baritone bass voice that was a natural but would only use it no more than three hours per day. And in fact, in Los Angeles, the union scale is, I think, it's about three hours with a couple of breaks in there. So I have to be careful not to blow my cords. (laughs) And that's why it has been a little while of a gap in between. It's just I've had so much, and it's all vocal demand through the day. So the idea is pacing and the long game, right? So I've actually, I'm, I know of an audiobook narrator who's kind of blowing his cords and I'm listening to it happen. So I'm kind of committed to preserving mine as long as I can. So listen, thank you for your comments on iTunes. I really appreciate it. Even though I have been a little bit AWOL, you guys have continued to favorably mention things on the, on iTunes. So if you're on iTunes and you like what we're doing, I would love for you to leave a comment. If you don't like what we're doing, just shoot me an email, thomas at subconsciousmindmastery.com. And I'd love to talk it through with you because probably you have a really good positive construction, constructive idea. Now there was somebody I noticed who left a comment back in like October, 2021, that the podcast is full of conspiracy theories And I thought about, you know, this person is absolutely right. He is absolutely correct. You are listening to a conspiracy theory podcast. We around here conspire to help you live a very powerful life, and we take pride in it. So bring it on, conspiracy theory. You are exactly right. And I will continue to conspire to help you live a better life because I will never forget what it was like in 2008 to be at the bottom. 
and my work is committed to helping you not be there. And by the way, if you don't get enough here, catch the Daily Fun Astrology Podcast. We try to make it fun. All right, enough of that. Let's get into what we're going to talk about today. This, of course, is dedicated to my friend Mike, and I just thought, wow, uh, this is a good one. <laughs> this is good. So I don't mind putting that signature on it. So let's explore the idea of non-attachment. Now, right off the bat, I got to say, uh, I am preaching at the choir, not with the choir, <laughs> because I have not mastered this. It is something I am working on all the time. I mean, don't forget, to borrow an astrological comparison, I am a good Scorpio after all. The difference is, after years of not being conscious of it, now I'm conscious of it and I'm working on it. Big difference, right? But attachment is such a big deal on this journey. And I think right now, even more than ever, it is especially a big deal. Now, I've kind of been thinking in this little gap, what are we going to do here? And what we're going to do is go back to the basics. So I'm going to go back and even look at some of the early podcast topics and re-engineer them with today's insights. <laughs> That's going to be fun. And one of the things that we're going to start with is beliefs because attachment comes from our ingrained belief system. Well, let's take a big step back. How do we get those beliefs? If you want to know what your subconscious programmed paradigm is right now, look at what you believe. Look at your belief system. I mean across the board because that subconscious programming that Freud and Jung and many others have told us about over the years creates those beliefs. Those beliefs create our actions, and our actions create our results. So the programming is the root of the tree. The fruit of the tree comes through the trunk of our beliefs. They're really kind of the second subtle subconscious, in other words, below. We don't think about our beliefs every day, right? And we certainly don't analyze them in the moment of a reaction. But we react when something crosses one of those beliefs. And why do we react? Well, because we created them and we are attached to them. In other words, they're kind of the, you know, if the subconscious world was an airplane, the programming itself, our subconscious programming that we've talked about since 2013 on here, is the pilot. And our belief system is the co-pilot. That's the cockpit. And when you are riding on an airplane, are you interacting with the cockpit? It happens subconsciously. It happens unconsciously. Now, the difference is <laughs> we have the open door. I mean, we can go in there. Now they block the door, you know. But in our little analogy, we can walk right into that door if we want to. But once that programming is set, I mean, this is a pretty good analogy, actually, because then it, we, you hit the autopilot switch. And there is, in a nutshell, what Joseph Murphy talked about, the power of our subconscious mind. Once it's programmed, boom, you hit that button. Pilot and co-pilot, they're talking about the ball game last night. You see, our subconscious programming, what we used to call the bridge keeper back in the day, and our belief system mechanism are flying the plane on autopilot. No effort necessary. So let's take this a step further. If you want to know what's in the cockpit, 
Where's the pilot coming from? Where's the co-pilot coming from? And what is the auto programming that's flying this thing? Look directly at what you are reacting to. And then go one step beyond that, or I would say below that. What causes a reaction? Any kind of reaction. I mean even a quote-unquote justified one. Because, after all, remember, it is your created belief system. That's what we talked about way back in one of the, well, I did three, I think, on beliefs. Three podcasts that we create our beliefs, so we hold them possessively. Now, what do I mean when we say take it one step further? All right, let's use my old classic example that I use because I still have trouble with it, traffic. I drove down to Atlanta a couple of weeks ago to see a guy that I used to produce a television show with, and I hit Atlanta traffic. In fact, (laughs) leaving, I got up so early to avoid the traffic. This is how the universe works, right? The universe will find you. You can't run. I got up at 5.15, got on the road. No, I got up before that. I got up before 5, was on the road at 5.15. So I was on the entrance ramp by 5.25. About six or eight police cars go screaming by me on I-285 there in Atlanta, and they blocked the freeway at 5.30 in the morning. (laughs) You can run, but you can't hide. Obviously, I was supposed to deal with a traffic lesson. Let's say that somebody cuts you off. There's your reaction, whatever it is. But let's say it wasn't positive. <laughs> All right, take it one step deeper. Go one step beyond the reaction. So you you catch yourself and go, ah, I reacted. Okay, I got it. No fault, just step back away from it. Now you start to observe. Let's pick that apart. Why did I react? Well, somebody cut you off. What are you saying, really? That was my space. Hmm, so could we be dealing with maybe possessiveness or possibly insecurity? I mean, after all, there are eight lanes out here on I-285. Isn't there enough concrete for everyone? See, you get underneath, what am I really reacting to? And you have to catch that in the moment. Maybe you're in a hurry and somebody cuts you off. It's not about that geographic space. It's the fact that what you are doing in your own mind is very important and you are in a hurry to get to the next event. So it's a matter of my agenda is more important than their agenda. Or maybe it's about getting beat out because they just beat you to that space. What are you really reacting to? So again, in that analogy, are you limited on time or do you have ample time? Are you allowing space Are you just allowing there to be space? The open space exercise, we talked about that several podcasts back. Just allowing there to be breathability, open space. Or, and this one I thought of, can you just sit still? Like, could I have a pro? I, I, I took the back roads. I'm sorry. I got off of the freeway and I got out of there. But with five police cars blocking four lanes of traffic, could I have just sat there until it was over? Do I have enough time? Are you able to just sit? Or is it constant motion for 16 hours followed by a collapse for four or six? And can you sit in total silence without any background noise? When you drive, is there anything on the radio? Or is it just quiet? See, there's a whole spectrum here. 
So what's really going on? I had a a different outcome of this same scenario a couple of days ago. I was driving through the mountains and I was headed toward the Blue Ridge Parkway. Now, this happened to be mid-Monday morning, like not a high traffic time of the week in the mountains or on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And the road that I needed to turn onto to get on the parkway was blocked by a truck, an 18-wheeler. There were probably, at the time I arrived in the line, in front of me, between me and the truck, six or eight cars, and then they started to stack up behind. There was a local law enforcement vehicle there, but no, nobody was directing traffic. It was just Everything was just sitting there, just stopped. So think about this now. You're out in the middle of the mountains in North Carolina, out in the middle of nowhere, and you're trying to get on the Blue Ridge Parkway. You can see the entrance. I, there were probably four cars between me and the on-ramp to the parkway. But the way they do the Blue Ridge Parkway, it often has the entrance and the exit at the same place. So not only could I not see around the 18-wheeler if there was oncoming traffic, also it was a blind corner. Somebody could have gotten off the Blue Ridge Parkway, presuming that they could hang a quick right and fully rightfully to do so. And if I had cut that line, I could have jeopardized both of those lines of traffic, which would have resulted in head-on collisions. I wasn't about to take that kind of a chance. I did have the opportunity to take a U-turn and get out of the line. But then as I looked on the map, the next entrance to the parkway was miles away. So here I am, four or five cars away. And I just sat there in non-reaction. Now, it's a little easier to do when you're in a beautiful setting like that, but still, it's counterintuitive to your agenda, to my agenda. Like, I didn't want to be sitting there. I wanted to be moving. Well, I just sat, and nothing big happened. Eventually, the guy got out of his patrol car and started directing traffic and moved a few cars out, and I made my turn, and there we go. So see, and then celebrate that growth because I'm like, wow, and that worked out just fine. So why do we all react to things? Well, we like we've talked about, out of a conflict to a belief that we have, well, why do we do that? Out of frustration? Sure. How about out of expectation? Yep. And then the big one, I think, is out of self-protection. We don't ever want to feel pain. We don't want to be hurt. So... We react out of a defense. It's like the little, look, I'm a Scorpio. The, the glyph or the icon is the scorpion. Scorpions are slow, actually, to throw the tail unless they're already stirred up. I've only seen one in nature. I was riding a bike in Dallas at this nature park, and I saw a scorpion next to the bike path, and I studied it. First of all, it wasn't any longer than my finger, and I got a stick and very gently, not tauntingly in any kind of way. I mean, I respect a well, snake. I might not, but <laughs> but the scorpion was just doing his thing in the grass, right? And he was a little close to the bike path, so I was going to get him off the bike path anyway and send him on his way. But I played with it a little bit from the standpoint of what makes this thing throw its tail up because I'd never seen one react. So here is a scorpion in its natural environment, and all of a sudden, a stick is poking on it. It didn't throw its tail up. And then I moved it a little bit, and it still didn't throw its tail up. And then finally, after about the third or fourth time, boom, the tail came up, 
And then, you know, I'd seen my reaction and then I helped him kind of move on to get safely away from the bike path so he wouldn't get run over or something. And, you know, and good outcome, but fine to see the scorpion. Scorpions in the United States are basically harmless. Now, you guys in Australia, you got some wicked scorpions down there, but the ones up here are basically like a bee sting. So it's like it's not that dangerous. But I was impressed that the scorpion didn't throw its tail up immediately. It took a little bit of poking on it. So the question is, how quickly do you react? How fast do you throw your own tail up? So I've been listening to this program, Pilgrim of the Heart, and I just have gotten so much richness through it. It's the story of Jeffrey Cagle, who, a.k.a. now Krishna Doss, this chant singer, who used to be, he was the very first lead vocalist of Blue Oyster Cult before they got big, before the Reaper. Then he went to India. He got redirected, and he started to pursue his spiritual life. And through Ram Dass, met their mutual guru, Neem Karoli Baba. And this album, Pilgrim of the Heart, is about all of that story. So here's the 1970s hippie, bumps into Ram Dass, finds out how to get to India and meet his guru, and now he's there. And they say, bring some apples. So he goes and finds some apples in a market and spends the night before he gets them all polished up, and that's going to be his gift to the great guru. So there he is the next morning, all nervous and excited at the same time, this dream situation that he's looked forward to for months and traveled halfway across the planet to get there. And obviously he wanted to impress Neem Karoli Baba. So he presents him the apples. And instantly, without taking a bite of one at all, because he only had three teeth, (laughs) he starts to throw them to other people. Now, could you imagine (laughs) that situation? I mean, here is the one that you wanted to impress, right? Or at least get a thank you. And he throws them away. And Krishna Das in Pilgrim of the Heart tells why. Because the great guru said, when you have God, you don't need anything. And this was a man who had nothing. He literally had no possessions. And he wrapped himself in a blanket and sat on a cot. And he had other people who served him that carried his cot around. But he had nothing because he needed nothing. So to him, getting apples that he wasn't hungry, he didn't need. So he circulated them. He gave them away. Now, if you were Jeffrey Cagle, a.k.a. Krishna Das, you could be upset, you could be mad, you could be offended, you could be hurt. Why? Go deeper. Those were my apples. That was my gift to the guru. Or, take it the other way, I'm a failure. I'm bad. I'm wrong. I can't do anything right. But to this man who had no reaction, no attachment, and no possessions... It was circulation. It was food for his friends. Thank you very much. Now all my friends have an apple. So the lesson is obvious. When you get an apple and you're not attached, you pass it on. And then you get more apples. You take one if you're hungry and you pass the rest on. If you have time, you use time. And then you pass time along by being still or giving time to a friend, or cultivating a relationship, just by being there. You have space. You give space. 
and you claim your space. So the idea here is that if you don't need anything, if you truly don't have, quote unquote, have anything, then you don't need to react. Then you can be in the very safe space of the present moment. You can just be. If you're hungry, eat an apple. Do you need love? Do you need to receive love? And always, as this program talks about, giving yourself love so that you are in love all the time. That's where it begins. It's not out there. And please, for all of the potential romantic partners out there, don't put that on somebody else's space. You have to love yourself first. Listen to the previous podcast we just did in October. So remember, if you have God, you don't need anything else. Can you drop that into your belief system and let it fly the plane? I've got five takeaways, then we're out. We've talked about observing what you're reacting to. Go deeper. Find the real issue. And by the way, with everything that comes up, if you're on this kind of spiritual journey that we talk about on here, you get in the auto-programmed mode to do that with everything. That's a big by the way. Because nothing valuable, really, is on the surface. It's just the indicator. It is the manifester or the indicator of something deeper. Just a trigger. Go deeper. Really think about that because that's where the the magic begins to happen. We stay on the surface by programming. Okay, I'm not going to go down that tangent, but you realize we're programmed to react. So the third thing is, after we've gone deeper, we've identified, then we release and reprogram that. And if you want a little metaphor for releasing, think about throwing the apple away. Treat it like the apple. Throw it away. Ah, somebody gives you an issue. Throw it away. And then, see, we're coming up with all these cool metaphors because then, go back to podcast 260, then when you really resolve that, you can pull a Jenga block. And I'll leave you to that podcast for that, for that analogy. But that's the power of non-attachment. And I'll tell you, if it sounds strange to throw things away when you do, then you are in the infinite space of the universe to create. And that's the magic of what we talk about here. You create from nothing. You create from empty. And that does not sound right to our egos. I hope this helps. I'm touched, and I know my friend Mike would have loved this podcast. I send you my own love. Until next time, enjoy the journey. I'm Thomas Miller. Thanks for listening. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate. The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.